The Gucci Girl, Prada Professional, Coach Queen, or Target Trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. WebmasterRadio.fm presents First Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, principal at Top Sales Strategies, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Retan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, it's been a sad week. We lost Kobe Bryant, a total of nine people on that helicopter crash, including his 13-year-old daughter. And it's really been impacting Super Bowl advertisers. You know, we're less, we're, you know, we're just days away from the Super Bowl. And um, at least three and, and possibly more by now, advertisers have made some, some changes. Procter & Gamble's, Olay, Pop-Tarts and Avocados for Mexico are among the brands that um, have, have kind of taken a quieting moment. In fact, Avocados from Mexico has delayed the release of their ad, um, just saying that, you know, the news cycle is one that just doesn't have room for something like that. Mountain Dew also had planned to release its ad on the NBC Today show, but that segment was postponed. And then uh, Planters is probably the most notable Um its entire campaign has been around the death of its spokes character, Mr. Peanut. It's planning to air a funeral for the fictional um, character during uh, the Super Bowl, but um, got a lot of backlash on social media and has since paused his online marketing campaign. There is, however, no plans to change the Super Bowl spot, which will actually show a funeral for Mr. Peanut. Um, so something to keep your eyes out for, um, see if those, how those brands bounce back and in what way, uh, considering the horrific news of Kobe Bryant's death. Our post profile today is the target trendsetter. This is a, a mom, if you will, who um, stays at home. Uh, some of them uh, might work from time to time, but but I would say about 25% of them are full-time homemakers. They consider themselves to be hopeful and entrepreneurial, putting their family first and shopping all the time, she says, uh, seeking out deals primarily, not so much brands. Um, their kids do influence where they shop. Uh, and what they shop for. And uh, they do struggle with money management, as many of us do. Um, they say that they're not very good at saving money and, um, you know, they don't like the idea of being in debt. So they are they are quite uh, conservative about how they spend their money. So where are they shopping? Lands in Old Navy and Gap are tops with her. They're driving Volkswagens and Hondas and GMC and Dodge as well. And, uh, you know, they're online watching a lot of those kids programming that's so popular, whether it be uh, Disney or, or streaming apps, um, watching movies, that type of thing. So they, they're online primarily getting the information that they need. Uh, my guest today uh, was quite a pioneer in the distillery industry when she began her company, Montagna Distillers, back in 2008. Karen Hoskin has since built her rum brand 
uh, into one of the largest uh, being distributed in 44 states and in seven countries. And it's been quite the award winner as well, making two best for the world lists, including best overall and best for the environment. She's done this all while facing her distillery in Colorado, not your normal place that you would consider for a rum distillery. Um, and she's beat the boys at the game. Um, as I mentioned, being a single kind of the lone woman in the distillery space when she began nearly 12 years ago. We're going to hear from Karen about some of her challenges that she faced and how she's been fueling her double-digit growth ever since. So stick around. Karen Hoskins from Montagna Distillers when Purse Strings returns. Purse Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one training a weekly podcast for you or your company, distribution to almost every podcast portal, an embeddable player for your website, an ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts, and much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. It passes before it's noticed. A slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit IntendedPodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences, marketing on purpose. LPO, landing page optimization, where we make marketers great using design, data, psychology, and attitude. Join our host, Brian Massey, best known as the Conversion Scientist, as he sits down with leading marketers to help you create campaigns that deliver. LPO, only on webmasterradio.fm.
Welcome back. I'm pleased today to be joined by Karen Hoskin, founder of Craft Distillery Montagna Distillers. In fact, she started Montagna 11 years ago. She's since built that rum brand into a distribution of 44 states and seven countries. And in just the past year, the company was named to two B Corp Best for the World List, Best Overall and Best for the Environment. Her premium craft rum distillery is located in Crested Butte, Colorado. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you would imagine this to be true. Back when she began her company in 2008, she was the only female in a male-dominated industry in the U.S. Fast forward, and now her company produces double-digit growth annually, and she's one of the larger private sector employers in her community. I'm thrilled to have Karen join me today to talk more about how she created created this very uh, successful company. Welcome. Thank you. Well, first, I have to say, I wouldn't have thought that a rum brand would have cropped up in Colorado. I don't know. I'm just having a hard time thinking about <laughs> the connection there. What led you to co-found Montagna? You know, it's such an interesting connection, actually, that most people wouldn't guess, but that really exists and has for more than a hundred years. Um, I, so I'm a mountain person. I've lived in the mountains for 25 years almost. Um, but I'm also a serious rum fanatic and I discovered rum like many people do on a beach. Um, although not on many of the beaches, people would guess I discovered it on a beach in India. Mm. And my first exposure was to a rum that was being made in India, uh, and still is called old monk. And, um, you know, I, I really spent much of my life exploring beautiful premium rums. I don't drink very much, but when I do, I tend to drink rum and I tend to like really high quality rum. And so I spent a great deal of time learning about rum. But the real aha moment came when I was in the mountains of, of Guatemala. And I discovered that there has long been a mountain tradition of rum. And that tradition is in Guatemala, it's in Panama, Colombia, um, mostly Central and South American countries. And as soon as I started on this journey to understand it, I thought, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for. I've been looking for the rum connection to the mountains because then it all made sense. Mm -hmm. And there you go. You brought it back to Crested Butte and you began your company. Now, I have to imagine that, you know, back in 2008, I mean, it's, you know, in the bio said, of course, that you were the only woman in a male dominated industry. So I'm imagining you didn't have any female mentors in the space. I really didn't. Um, I had a, a lot of male mentors in the space, which I'm eternally grateful for. But there were so many moments at which I just really needed to talk with someone who was experiencing the same challenges that I was experiencing, which are really different from for women in the alcohol beverage space. I mean, we we deal with sexual harassment. We deal with um, not being able to work as late hours because of, you know, kind of transitioning from being a professional woman alone in a bar. And um, at the time, I, I could even hardly get attention when I would step into a you know booth at a trade show to try to buy a pump or a um, you know a filter or new corks or uh, all kinds of different things that just women consumers had never been looking for or buying 
back in 2008. So I just couldn't, as soon as a man walked into the booth, they'd be like, oh, okay, here, let me help you. And I'd be like, wait a second, I actually need something here. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of humorous for many years and not very many people could relate. But now that there are more women who own these companies, more women founders, there are more of us who can sort of commiserate and, and you know, collaborate and strategize on how to change these paradigms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, um, you've established the Women's Distillery Guild, uh, where you you formally share a lot of that wisdom. Talk about talk about that. Well, I realized, you know, that what we what we needed was some sort of formal organizational structure to to bring us together, to give us access to great, say, trainings and webinars, um, to maybe bring us together on phone calls and collaborative. Uh, you know, group chat type of environments. And, um, and I, I realized that the only way to create that was probably to have a membership driven organization. Um, I started the Women's Distillery Guild and pretty quickly we had 75 members. Um, but also pretty quickly I came up, I was trying to run this business that was growing and my bandwidth was pretty limited. So, um, about a year after I started that organization, we co- we uh, merged in with Women of the Vine and Spirits, which is another industry group that started out primarily focused on women in wine, but really expanded to include women in the spirits uh, industry. And um, they kind of took us under their wing, and we've been able to benefit from a huge amount of their um, infrastructure and technology. Um, to kind of keep our voices communicating with each other. It hasn't been easy, um, not because of Women of the Vine and Spirits, but because we're all so busy. Um, But we do gather formally at different industry events around the country during the year. And um, we do, you know, participate in a lot of online webinars and get good training opportunities now, which I'm so thankful for. Right. So, you know, now there's a little bit more formal structure for women in the industry. Um, There's actual mentors, you being a mentor now for so many other women who are coming up through the ranks in the industry. But fundamentally, how far has the industry really come for women? Well, it depends on whether you represent sort of actual numbers or percentages of improvement. Um, You know, so when I began doing some venture capital fundraising for my company, Um, it became clear through my research that women in America receive, at that time, they received 2% of venture capital deals in the U.S. And um, that was, as you can imagine, pretty daunting to me. Uh, So I saw an article recently that said, you know, we had almost doubled the number of women receiving um, venture capital deals in America, which means we may push uh, 4% in, (laughs) you know, in 2020, which if you look at the, um, you know, it just all depends, as you know, on how you relate the numbers. It's really not a great situation if you're a female business owner raising capital, Um, but things are getting better, um, which is really important and we're coming to understand why it is that women typically don't get their fair treatment. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the performance of their companies and everything to do with the decision makers looking for familiar 
recipients. And, and if they're a white male decision maker, then they look for familiar white male recipients. And so there's a, a certain amount of self-reinforcement um, within the decision-making structure. So as companies recognize that and try to introduce women to their decision-making committees or introduce them to their search committees or et cetera, um, it's getting better. It's still, you know, we know women own only 7% of bars and restaurants. Um, we're in the distilling industry. We make up only 7 or 8% of, of women in leadership roles in the distilleries themselves. Uh, so, yeah, we've made some great progress since I more than a decade ago, but wow, we have a, a whole long way to go. Yeah, well, and your industry is not unlike a lot of industries in this country in that it's incremental, incremental change, right? And it's, uh, it's, it's way too slow for a lot of people uh, across the board uh, with, with this bastion of white maildom still in charge. And to your point, looking at what's familiar, uh, rather than kind of outside of the box of, of maybe the talent that's totally available in the industry and tapping into that. I mean, no matter how you've done what you've done and the challenges that still loom, you are being incredibly successful despite all of that. I mean, um, you're experiencing double digit growth right now. Can you talk a little bit about what's been fueling that growth? So um, it's, it's a number of different forces for sure. I mean, I think to some extent, it's really just, um, I, and I heard that when I first started, I had a colleague who told me that really it was going to be about lasting for 10 years. And if I could just survive for 10 years, people would start to take me seriously, um, which at the time I thought, oh my gosh, this is, you know, that's the worst news I've heard all day. But he ultimately was right. Um, it does typically take about 10 years. And so the first thing that's driving the company is just my basic survival, that people recognize that I'm not going anywhere, that Montani Rum isn't going anywhere. And um, But also I've spent a lot of the last decade building our credibility as a brand. So not just trying to put rum all over shelves, all over the United States and Europe and Canada, but really working to establish that Montagna rum is an exceptional rum and that we um, are an exceptional company and that we uh, are ranking up there, you know, through the awards we, we receive from discerning judges, things like that, that we're really capable of um, living up to the, you know, the, the hype. It's not just about being woman owned or being probably the most sustainable rum distillery in the world. But it's more about the rum is excellent and the judges agree. Um, and so that's helped. I've just kind of kept my shoulder to that wheel, um, even when it didn't make sense financially for many years. Um, and I would say the third factor is just simply the beautiful rise of premium rum. Mm -hmm. Consumers are starting to understand how complex and exceptional the spirit is. And so, um, you know, back when I started, I had a big task to help people to understand that rum could be as delicious and as high quality as any bourbon or scotch or whiskey that they might drink. Um, that we, um, you know, that, that it could be made in the mountains and be just as interesting and delicious as a Caribbean style. That there are so many different ways to make rum and different styles of rum and 
um, people have come a long way. The consumer themselves has come a long way to understanding rum as a category. And that's just helping me every day. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, as their appreciation grows, so does your business. And you've also just become part of Constellation Brands as well, which is a company behind some of the most well-known liquor and spirit brands in the world. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, well, that was, interestingly, that was kind of a culmination of a lot of my work, um, talking about gender diversity, talking about the lack of access of women, you know, female-founded companies to venture capital. Um, Constellation decided a year ago right now to um, allocate $100 million to invest in female-founded beverage alcohol companies. Um, and they really decided they wanted to be leaders in uh, recognizing that some of these female founders weren't getting their fair share and also then becoming a strategic partner uh, because all of us in the industry, you know, we have, we have our areas of challenge. Usually people like me are really good at um, building a legitimate, transparent, beautiful brand, but we're not that good at accessing distribution or you know, doing some of the not so fun businessy type aspects of the company and um, constant really exceptional at a lot of those tasks. And so it's been nice to merge together. We get to kind of uh, pick and choose from each other's strengths and and figure out what we want to flatter together, which has been really helpful. When you started out, did you ever aspire to be part of what I call the the bigger guys, you know, those bigger brands? Is that something you ever aspired to? And do you feel like you have to give anything up by being part of Constellation Brands? Um, You know, I've always aspired to be an international company and to have international distribution. I think when I first started, I really was incredibly naive. Um, I didn't even really understand how complicated the three-tiered distribution system for alcohol is in the United States. Um, I didn't understand how quickly if, if you, you know, rise your head above the rest and you get national or international attention to what you do, how quickly some of the larger brands are going to want to you know, target you and buy you off the shelf just, you know, cause you might, um, they're either going to want to buy your company or buy it off the shelf so that you don't compete directly with them. Um, I, Definitely didn't understand all those subtleties. So once I did, I realized that I probably wasn't going to be able to do this alone. Um, that as much as I might want to be kind of, you know, a sole operator, that the distribution houses are motivated by bigger companies and their, you know, their profit margins and dollars are paid by bigger distributors. And for a tiny rum brand to get attention, it's going to be a constant slog. Um, so that's part of why Constellation was the right partner. There were a lot of opportunities that were not the right partnerships because those companies didn't value me as a founder in the same way. And they didn't value me and the what I bring to the decision-making table in the same way. Um, so I walked away from some opportunities. Um, Constellation is really focused on the founders themselves. Um, I think they learned that in some cases the hard way, um, but they definitely figured it out and have embedded in their, in their approach. Um, so they really value me as the, you know, sort of the captain of the ship and 
um, and working us all toward a set of common objectives, but recognizing that, you know, some of the big companies are really suffering from being too big or being too um, megalithic, however you want to say it. And, and these smaller companies um, that are really building these interesting, legitimate brands are the wave of the future. We kind of are the future. So I, I applaud them for recognizing that and, and working to kind of keep us, keep us engaged. We're going to take a quick break now, Karen, but when we come back, I want to talk about your focus on community impact, which is a part of your brand story, significant part of your brand story. So everybody stick around more from Karen Hoskin when Purse Strings returns after the break. Purse Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let WebmasterRadio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. WebmasterRadio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Welcome back. I've been chatting today with Karen Hoskin, founder of craft distillery Montagna Distillers. She started it back in 2008. She was the lone woman in a very crowded male category. And since then, she's built a rum brand that is distributed in 44 states in the U.S. and in seven countries. And congratulations to her. In this past year, Montagna was named to two B Corp best for the world list, best overall, and best for the environment. And in fact, that's what I want to talk to you about now is this co this commitment to community that you talk about. And that's commitment on a variety of levels, Karen, both environmentally friendly, but also supporting the community where you are with higher pay and year-round employment opportunities. Is this something that you knew you wanted when you founded the company and do you feel like it's really set you apart in a positive way maybe from others in the industry I do think it has set us apart and I definitely know that it's something that I wanted from the beginning 
you know, as much as I love making rum and I love rum, um, I have really always felt that business was better when it was a force for good. Uh, and so just making something and just selling something was never really enough to scratch my own itch. Um, I have, I kind of came out of the nonprofit world um, and I came out of um, a lot of different environments that were geared to community prosperity, community um, advancement, you know, economic development, things like that. And when I transitioned in, let's see, 1998 into more of a private sector work environment, um, I really felt so strongly that I wanted to use whatever business I was involved in as a force for economic development. I've also lived for the last 25 years in small mountain ski towns in Colorado. <laughs> so um, just small mountain ski towns in general. And, and anybody who spent much time in a community like that understands that those communities are often driven by tourism, by seasonal economies. There are a lot of low-wage jobs geared toward people who, you know, are, are unskilled, um, and you know, it creates a bit of a cycle of um, economic challenge in these smaller communities. And so, um, I really felt strongly that there's nothing inherent to a mountain ski town in Colorado that should make um, only the ski areas prosperous. You know, there are lots of assets to um, the natural environment, the, you know, the fact that we attract lots of interesting, smart, athletic, outdoorsy people. And I really wanted to, um, I wanted to create a business that could pay them well, that could give them the kind of benefits that they deserve, that could, you know, insure their children against health events, that could, you know, help them to send their kids to college, um, that could give them paid vacations during the off seasons, things like that. And I mean, that was me. That was me that wanted all of that. I had two kids who are now in college. Um, I had, you know, we all have struggled to get good health insurance and um, to make enough money to be able to travel, et cetera. So I was really just advancing a paradigm that I wanted for myself. Um, but also, I pretty much came out of the womb as an environmentalist. <laughs> My parents will, would tell you that I, you know, I kind of vexed them over the years with all of my various campaigns for environmental justice, uh, activism, um, which really started with my dad, you know, who was in a fight with the EPA on a house we were building back when I was maybe in seventh grade. And I was I was like, Dad, we gotta we gotta do this right for the black ducks around our new house, you know. So, um, it you know it really has been a lifelong passion for me. And as soon as you get into a business like alcohol beverage, um, you recognize that there is so much waste and there's so much plastic and so many um, you know miles spent in airplanes and moving freight around in trucks and. I really was just appalled on most days in the early days of like, how am I going to fix this problem? How am I going to not contribute to this problem? So Montagna has really grown over the last, gosh, we'll be 12 years old in April, um, really grown to be a company that assesses every single thing we do and chooses the environmentally responsible path available 
Um, we have so many important partnerships on that. And it goes from, you know, every t-shirt we buy with our logo on it to the paper we print our shelf talkers on to the, um, you know, the freight around to my airplane flights, to the car I drive, to, you know, how we get our energy and our heat in our facilities. Um, I could go on for a really long time. <laughs> Clearly you're committed. Just, <laughs> yeah, it's not just on the surface of things. It's mm-hmm. to do with, you know, how we act as a philanthropist in our community. And, um, you know, it, it would be very easy to come up with one environmental practice and promote that really widely. Like we're a hundred percent wind powered or we're 110% powered. But that's never been enough for me. Um, if I'm, you know, throwing away 10 bags of garbage out the back door every day, then I've never fish to fry problems to solve. Well, and you've, you've taken, you know, that passion, that commitment that's been literally lifelong and you've fueled another company with it as well. Um, talk about your other company that's, that's really focused on environmentally friendly products. Yeah, well, as I was, you know, as as Montana was growing, I found myself on the road traveling about half the time, whether it was going to a distributor to make presentations to sales reps or whether it was going to um, give a speech at a rum event or um, et cetera. I, I just found that I was on the road about half the time. And here I am, you know, representing a sustainable company. And if I wasn't aware I could generate 20 pieces of throwaway single-use plastic and paper every day. So from a coffee cup or to to a to-go container for my lunch to shopping bags and produce bags and, you know, yogurt containers and plastic cutlery. It just, at one, at one point I saved a day's worth as I was starting to make this transition. And I literally was like, sick to my stomach looking at the pile that people would just heap upon you um, in airports and, you know, delis and, and even meetings, like sitting in meetings with a lot of people with plastic water bottles everywhere. And I just really started asking the question, like, is this necessary? First of all, second of all, if it's not necessary, how do we fix the problem? And then third of all, if I can fix the problem myself, can I help other people to fix it too? Um, and it just became um, kind of in classic entrepreneurial style. It became a, a side hustle for me where every system that I created for my own life, I created with my business partner, Elizabeth, a version, you know, that we would sell on our website. Um, and, and so Zoetica was born. Uh, it became you know, it's not a company that we have as much time for as we wish. We're both uh, business owners of other companies, but um, it has really had so much beautiful organic growth and gotten a lot of buzz and a lot of attention uh, among other people who are appalled by the same things, but don't necessarily want to spend, you know, eight months like we did testing different products, realizing what didn't work, what was going to fail us in transit or you know, just we weren't going to want to use because we couldn't keep it clean or um, so many different things came up. Um, but once we got through that sort of eight month test period, we've had these incredible systems that we we and our customers travel with and we get so much good feedback about how 
effectively they work in eliminating single-use trash from our day. Congratulations on both companies. And I want to remind listeners that they can purchase your products, especially Montagna and 44 states, and if they're listening globally, and, and maybe your country as well. Um, and then, um, you know, your product, um, you've also got an online store for your other company. Uh, I would drive people to go to Montagna Rum to learn more about the rum product. Any Anywhere else I should be reminding people they can purchase your products, Karen? We have a ton of online retailers for the rum who ship it all over the country and um, we have some really robust retailers overseas, like VNB in France has 180 stores with Montagna Rum. Um, so definitely people should visit montagnarum.com and go to our uh, How to Find a Rum link, um, and that will guide people in different directions. Um, online retailers do a really nice job of shipping it into harder to access areas. Um, and then Zoetica, they can go to zoeticalife.com um, and, and find a system or a kit that works for their everyday to eliminate trash. And then also karenhoskin.com, which is my website that keeps track of where I am traveling and speaking about some of these same issues so that I get to be actually face-to-face with people who care about some, some of the same issues that I care about. Awesome. Lots of ways to engage with you. Karen, thank you so much for being on the show today and congratulations on your huge success um, and congratulations on 12 years. Thank you so much. And thanks Thanks to my... It's been a pleasure. Uh, Well, and we hope you're around for a long time more too. And I'm definitely going to have to try your rum now. (laughs) I have not, I did not try it before the interview. Now I'm definitely trying this high quality rum that I hear so much about now. Um, So thanks. Offline, we'll make sure you get connected. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Karen. Thanks to George. And uh, thanks to you for listening. Join me here for another edition of Purse Strings. Until then, make it a great one. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.